It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Drops the throw, steps up, floats a bomb up the right seam, looking for Anderson. He's got it. They're not going to catch him. He's going to go the distance. Touchdown. Sam Darnold dials it up to Robbie Anderson. 92 yards. Bell into the middle of that line, and it's a touchdown. Big return for Crowder, 85 yards. Pass thrown, there was contact with the quarterback, and it's incomplete. They got pressure on Prescott. It was Adams who came blitzing in. He'll hit immediately when he got the handoff. You know that's <laughs> the Q-inator. Oh my gosh. Listen, thank you. From the TOJ Digital Studios, this is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at PlayLikeAJet1. And it's Thursday. Normally, we would do this on Wednesday, but some scheduling conflicts. So instead, we've got Midweek with Manish on Thursday. Manish Mehta of the New York Daily News. Manish, before we talk a little Jets, I've got to first ask you to put on your hat that channels the spirits of the late Gene Siskel and Roger Ebert and give me a little movie review because, as I understand it, you got to see the new John Cena movie yesterday. I did. I did. Playing with Fire. It's a comedy. Uh, a good matinee type of movie. Uh, John Cena is actually very underrated comedic actor. I've watched him in a few things. Uh, I don't think this is going to win any awards, but, uh, <laughs> you know, a fun little movie. Got some time, and uh, I got to give him some credit. He's not The Rock, but uh, he's definitely multi-talented. He might be the second biggest movie star outside of pro wrestling after The Rock because, obviously, Hulk Hogan tried his hand at some movies. And, well, let's say he didn't draw much in the way of movies. Drew a lot more in pro wrestling than he did in movies. So it's nice to see John Cena doing well. Not quite as well, though, as Jamal Adams, who just got named AFC Defensive Player of the Week. Yeah, uh, probably as expected, as people in the business like to say. Uh, he was dominant, uh, probably exactly what he and the team needed, uh, given you know, what had transpired over the past week and a half with the, the trade deadline, the, uh, the Heisman uh, not talking to the GM and the head coach, and then smoothing things over with Adam Gase and Joe Douglas. So, uh, you know, I, I don't think this story is over. Uh, I think that there, you know, there's still a lot to be discussed in the offseason, whether Jamal Adams remains a Jet in 2020 and beyond, whether he gets an extension, uh, or whether ultimately Joe Douglas gets an offer that he can't refuse. So, uh, you know, that story is not over yet, but uh, clearly we saw uh, a window into what Jamal Adams can do as a player. I understand he's a safety and it's not, uh, you know, a high value position, if you will, but uh, that doesn't mean that uh, he can't impact the game. And I think you saw clear evidence of that the other day. Manish, from your understanding, have they actually patched things up, or is this more of a let's tell everybody that everything's good and we'll work this out in the offseason kind of thing? Well, I think only each individual man uh, can answer that question. Joe Douglas, Jamal Adams, and Adam Gase, I think they've told each other that everything's fine and there's really no sense in uh, letting this you know, continue to manifest itself publicly uh, for the remainder of the season. But internally, how does each guy feel? Uh, you know, that's, that's something that only each of them knows. I know that from a general manager perspective, you always want to get your team in the best position to have sustainable success. And so Joe Douglas, I don't believe, will be closing the door to any kind of offers or discussions uh, when we get closer to the draft. If you're Jamal Adams, as he has said many times, he knows his value, he knows his worth, 
he knows what he can do, uh, you know, to impact the game. I think we all saw that the other day. So uh, I don't think he's particularly pleased with what transpired. But again, uh, you know, time heals all wounds in terms of being offended, uh, you know, when your name is discussed in trade talk. So I, you know, I, I think that Jamal Adams in a perfect world would love to stay with the Jets and be a part of the core. Uh, I also know that the, the Jets are trying to figure out a way to fast track this rebuild. And if it means moving on from Jamal Adams, which I wholeheartedly disagree with, then I think they would explore that. Big win for the Jets over the Giants on Sunday. A lot of people thought that Adam Gase was going to be in big trouble if the Giants managed to beat the Jets in embarrassing fashion. Instead, team owner Christopher Johnson comes out yesterday and says that not only will Gase be the coach for the rest of the year, but he will also be the coach next year. This shouldn't be a surprise to people, Manish, especially since you reported last week that Christopher Johnson thought that a lot of the criticism of Adam Gase was unfair and that a lot of the criticism that he received for hiring Adam Gase was unfair, that he still very much believed in the coach. I'd heard that from quite a few other people, too, and it's not really a secret. If you read between the lines with a lot of stuff that's been reported the last couple of weeks, And as I've been saying, Christopher Johnson staked a lot of his own personal reputation on this hire, especially after he let Adam Gase push Mike McCagnin out. It never seemed to me like it was plausible to think that Adam Gase was going to get fired after just one year, let alone in season. And Christopher Johnson reaffirmed that yesterday with his statement, which backed up the fact that no matter what fans felt about this, Christopher Johnson felt a different way which is what you were trying to tell people last week when you reported what you reported in the Daily News, that the Jets had no plans to move on from Adam Gase anytime soon. Yeah, my understanding, even before the game, was that ownership uh, had no plans on firing him uh, in season uh, or after the season, you know, barring, as we've discussed before, barring something off the field. So the fact that they won certainly certainly helps matters. I don't think he would have been fired. In fact, I'm fairly confident he would not have been fired if they lost that game against the Giants. Uh, you know, the Johnson brothers do care about uh, fan sentiment uh, to a certain degree, but I don't think that they would fire a head coach in season uh, uh, off of a loss to the Giants, as embarrassing as that would have been. Uh, just like you, you haven't seen the Giants fire Pat Shermer after losing to the Jets. But uh, my, you know, my understanding all along, and it had been for weeks, was that Christopher Johnson did not uh, agree with the criticism that the, the fans were heaping on, uh, and, and the media, I should say, were heaping on Adam Gase. So I don't think anything has changed in that respect. They did not plan on firing Gase in season. Uh, they don't have plans to fire him after the season. I don't believe that Adam Gase is, is going anywhere. Uh, you know, the fans obviously were upset with that plane flying over the Hudson River, imploring ownership to fire Adam Gates. Uh, I know there are some other rumblings about uh, different things, maybe billboards popping up. Uh, I- I'm not sure that's, that's done with either because they beat one bad team by rallying in the fourth quarter. I certainly think that Jet fans are happy that they won. I'm always better to win than lose. Uh, but uh, in terms of how the fan base perceives Adam Gates, I don't believe, to be honest with you, that that has frankly changed very much. Uh, and I know, Scott, we'll, we'll talk about this uh, moving forward, but uh, there are some winnable games you know, starting against the, the Redskins. They've got a rookie quarterback coming up this week. Uh, in two weeks, they've got another rookie quarterback in Ryan Finley in Cincinnati. So 
I think the Jets can go on a little run here from a win-loss perspective. Uh, will that change the perception of Adam Gase among the fan base? Uh, you know, I don't know. Probably not. But uh, but as a, in, in terms of you know his job security and job standing, I don't think he was ever going to be fired in season. Manish, let's talk injuries. Two years ago, Brian Winters played most of, if not the entire season, with a torn abdomen and abductor muscles, which is amazing because that is an incredibly painful injury. And then this season, he was playing with another injury that boggles the mind that he was trying to get through the season with. Now it looks like his season is over. What a warrior this guy is, regardless of what you think of his play on the field. The fact that he was able to suck it up and do this for so many games is incredible. Yeah, it really is. You know, I've been doing this for a very long time, and I've seen a lot of tough players come and go. I don't think there's anybody tougher than what Brian Winters has shown uh, over these past several years. Uh, you, you know, you go back even two years in 2017, and I believe it was week two. Early in that game, he tore his abdominal muscle, and he played, I think, the next 10 games. He ultimately went on IR for the last couple games that were meaningless, but uh, he had a stretch of two and a half months playing on a torn abs, which required surgery after the season. And uh, I know that Adam Gase the other day came out and said he re-dislocated his shoulder. He actually tore the entire front part of his shoulder. That's the information that I got uh, in the preseason. And he played with that uh, all, all season, uh, you know, what, it's two and a half months, two months, whatever it's been, uh, with a brace. Uh, he just isn't a complainer. I, you know, I covered Brian Winters uh, from the moment he was drafted. And uh, this guy is so – his pain threshold is so absurd. It's very – it's like alien-like. I mean, this is a guy who in the offseason trains by lugging trucks like you know, with, a, with a belt that he puts around his waist. And, and that's kind of how he goes about his offseason. He's your, uh, you know, he's your typical uh, quiet, tough, uh, you know, selfless offensive lineman, and yeah, yeah, he gets criticism for his play from time to time. But he's reliable. He is a smart player. He's highly respected, uh, not only among you know the offensive players, but the defensive players as well. He just doesn't speak that much, so you know, it, it, you know, you don't get a firm handle uh, from a fan perspective on uh, you know what kind of person this guy is. But just being around him for you know nearly a decade and and talking to him and just getting the vibe for who he is and how he approaches his job. Uh, you know, I, I have so much respect for the guy. Uh, it, it doesn't look like he'll be back next year. We'll, we'll find out. He's got a nine guaranteed $7 million uh, base salary. I think it's the cap number 7.5. There is no dead money attached to, to cutting him. So, you know, we'll see what the Jets do, uh, whether they you know want to cut him, bring him back for less money or, or how they want to proceed moving forward. But uh, just in terms of, you know, just what he is about, uh, it's just, it's something that's commendable. I have a lot of respect for professionals like that. They, they don't complain. They play in pain that not, you know, many of us can comprehend. And he, as I said earlier, he has a high pain threshold. My understanding, uh, and he hasn't told me this directly, but my understanding is that he was in a lot of pain this year and, uh, and he gutted it out. Very few people knew about it. Do you think that they would be leaning towards trying to bring him back on a lower salary? What's their feeling on him? Do they like him? Is he one of the players that 
Gase and Douglas do you think would want to move forward with? And the other part of this is, does this shed new light on the Colecchio Semele situation? In other words, do you think the Jets looked at what Winters was doing and say to themselves, okay, if this guy could gut through this injury, then Colecchio Semele can last the season and get the surgery at the end of the year rather than getting it right now? No, I don't think that's fair at all. In fact, I think that's the epitome of uh, being unfair because everyone's pain threshold is different. Uh, you know, I just outlined all the different reasons why I think that Brian Winters is uh, probably the toughest guy I've covered uh, in my career. Uh, not everyone can be Brian Winters, and that shouldn't be a slight on uh, Colecchio Assembly or any person. Uh, you know, these guys are, uh, compared to the average person, are extremely tough guys. So, uh, you know, I never want to say that just because player A was able to gut it out and play through pain, that player B should do the same thing. I think that's a dangerous road to go down. I think that's patently unfair. So uh, I, I don't I don't think, uh, you know, if, if that were the Jets thinking, and I, I don't know if that's what the Jets were, were thinking when they were uh, having this uh, standoff with Colecchio Assembly, if that's what they were thinking, I think that's flawed logic. But uh, in terms of Brian Winters moving forward, there's so many moving pieces, Scott. We've got free agency first and then the draft. You just don't know who you're going to sign, who you're going to draft, who's going to be available, what your salary cap situation is going to be. So it's difficult for me to frankly say, yes, Brian Winters would be back on a reduced salary or there's no chance Brian Winters will be back. If, you know, if you're a general manager, uh, you never want to say never uh, unless you just think this player is worthless to me and I won't sign him for anything. Uh, everybody, for the most part, you know, not, not 100%, but for the most part, uh, you know, players make sense for the right price and the right situation. And the Jets don't know what the situation is right now because they don't know what the other pieces are going to be. They don't know who their starting linemen are going to be. They don't know who else they're going to bring in in terms of depth. So uh, I can't definitively tell you in mid-November whether Brian Winters is going to be a part of their plans in 2020. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo Concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. Let's talk about the other big injury news, and that, of course, is Christopher Herndon. What an insane season for Christopher Herndon. This is a guy that gets suspended for the first four games. All Jets fans were excited waiting for him to come back because he obviously had a very promising rookie season, showed some great chemistry with Sam Darnold down the stretch, and everybody thought he'd be a big weapon in this offense, create some real mismatches at the tight end position. After he was set to come back from the suspension, he sustains an injury. That injury ends up being worse than most people thought. He's out a couple of weeks, finally comes back, has one big play that ends up being called back because of a holding that was called on Alex Lewis, who was holding our old friend Leonard Williams. And besides that, he was fairly quiet. But the rest of the season was seven games that Sam Darnold and Christopher Herndon could have to continue to build on that chemistry that we saw last season. And now, Manish, that is not going to happen because Christopher Herndon ends up on injured reserve. What a string of terrible luck for the Jets in general and for Christopher Herndon specifically. Yeah, it's a really bizarre season. Uh, Now, look, he has to take culpability for the four-game suspension stemming from the DUI. So, uh, you know, you, you take that out of the equation, and, and if you assumed it, you would get 
12 games with Christopher Herndon, I think that uh, you know Jets fans would have would have taken it. But uh, the idea of just pulling your hamstring, working out days before you can come back with the team after the suspension, if that weren't bad enough, this rib injury obviously is the you know the punctuation uh, mark on uh, really a, a nightmarish season for him. He's got a lot of potential. We all saw that uh, as a rookie. Sam Darnold uh, and, and Josh McCown actually were very efficient throwing to him uh, during his rookie season. I don't anticipate that this will derail his career moving forward. It's a, it's a broken rib. Now, it's a, it's a rib that's higher up, and that's why the Jets ultimately had to put him on IR because it's not something that you want to mess around with. Uh, you know, if he exacerbates the situation, uh, it, it could be you know, much worse for him long term. So they did the smart thing. They did the right thing. But, yeah, just a, a weird season for a really talented guy. Uh, he's a good kid. Uh, I, can, I can tell you that, uh, you know, DUI notwithstanding. Uh, you know, that was kind of out of left field. You know, I remember when that happened, you know, based on the information I had about you know, who this kid was, his character. Just, a, you know, an unfortunate season for him, a lost season for him. Uh, you know, Jets didn't really count on him because he wasn't around. But, uh, you know, the irony, you know, you had mentioned the one play that was called back due to penalty. There was actually another play, the, the one that he actually caught for seven yards on a third and eight, I believe, mm-hmm. set up a fourth down that the Jets converted. But that was actually a play that uh, Sam Darnold did a really nice job in recognizing it, uh, you know, an all-out blitz and, and checked at the line. Uh, it, it's a very subtle thing. You know, maybe some fans picked up on it, some fans didn't. But I know that that was one of the, the check marks in Sam Darnold's box, uh, such a, you know, small, seemingly insignificant play, a seven-yard gain on a blitz, uh, to Herndon, but that was something that was just another sign of Darnold's growth and uh, maybe even a, 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 just another peek into what could be in 2020 and beyond in terms of the chemistry between Darnold and, and Chris Herndon. So, yeah, an unfortunate uh, turn of events for this guy, but uh, yeah, it's not an ACL injury. It's not a ligament tear. This is something that uh, you know, he'll be fully healthy for and be ready to go when his third season begins. Manish, let's talk cornerback right now. Vernon Hargraves, who was the 11th pick in the NFL draft a couple of years ago, he gets released from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Reportedly, it's because he more or less refused to hustle in practice and in the games. The Bucs are the worst pass defense in the league, and Hargraves has struggled mightily, but... The Jets are pretty much desperate at this point. They had Blessing Austin in there off of IR who hadn't played in over two years. And by the way, he looked pretty good. So give him that. We'll see what happens with him going forward. They've got Arthur Millette, but Daryl Roberts is hurt. We know that Tremaine Johnson is out for the year. Now they just signed Kyron Brown. Is there going to be any interest, do you think, in Vernon Hargraves? And beyond that, what are the Jets going to do at cornerback? Is it going to be Millette and Bless and Austin? Is that the plan right now? Because Hairston was pulled, and we know that Daryl Roberts is still hurt. Where do we stand with all this? Yeah, you know, Hargate is an interesting guy because he's a pedigree player, you know, you know big, uh, big player in college, my 11th overall pick a few years ago from Florida. Uh, you know, it's always a red flag for me when Todd Bowles cuts you. Uh, you know, Bowles is a guy who's, you know, he's a, he understands cornerbacks. He understands uh, you know, defensive backs because of uh, his own background. Uh, Hargraves also has an injury history. He's a guy who only played one game the year before because of a shoulder issue. Uh, and then the year before that, he missed half the season because of a hamstring issue. But I think when you have questions about your hustle and your work ethic, uh, I'm not sure that you should bring him into this type of situation. I'm not saying that the Jets won't. 
because at this point the Jets really need to explore any and all avenues. But it is troublesome. Uh, I had to look at his contract situation. He's got a, the fifth-year option that he picked that they picked up, and that's nine point nine million for twenty twenty. Uh, so you know, I, I don't know the logistics. I should know the logistics of this. If the Jets claimed him, would they be on the hook for that nine point nine? Would they just give him a you know a seven six seven game uh, trial to see if he's worth uh, keeping on that money? It's just it, I think there's a lot of risk there, uh, but. You just touched on the issues that they have on the back end with Mallette and, and Austin. Austin, I thought, was really good, uh, considering that this is his first action in such a long time. I'm surprised he played as many snaps as he did. I know that the Jets kind of tinkered uh, you know, with their scheme when he came back in, when he came into the game for Harrison, who was ineffective. But uh, he showed some promise. He, he deserves playing uh, a lot this week against Washington uh, to, just to get an opportunity to see if he you know, can be part of uh, you know, their – solution moving forward but there are no uh, elixirs here uh, over the, the final two months of the season you know, Mallette, Kyron Brown uh, you know obviously uh, I, I think that Roberts will get healthy eventually Again, they're going to struggle I think to a certain degree and I think that because the Jets uh, run defense is so good uh, that'll prompt teams to even take more shots through the air against the Jet defense I, I think they probably would anyway because the corners are weak but the fact that uh, the Jets are so stout against the run, the second in the league. I think that'll just prompt teams to uh, want to throw it more and more. So they'll, they're going to be tested. Uh, I don't think this is a problem that's going away this uh, this season. It's clearly one of those things on the to-do list uh, for Joe Douglas that needs to be taken care of after the offensive line in the offseason for sure. Any other news and notes or injury issues that we may have missed? Well, one story that kind of got swept under the, the rug because it seems to be something crazy going on every week with the Jets is, uh, <laughs> is a second player filed an injury grievance mm. against the Jets in three weeks. Not only Coletio Semele, but Luke Falk, my understanding, filed an injury for a hip, uh, sorry, filed a grievance uh, against the Jets for a hip issue that's uh, going to prompt surgery. So uh, he didn't pop up on the injury report. Prior to that Philly game, he was obviously banged up pretty good with those nine sacks uh, against the Eagles. And then he was on the team uh, for that entire week following the Eagle game before he was cut on the Saturday before the Cowboy game. And he was not on the injury report. So uh, I, I thought that was interesting that uh, you know, that he filed this grievance. You know, typically those grievances don't get filed lightly. There's, there's some tangible proof and evidence there. So I'll be curious to see how that kind of unfolds in the spring because that's in all likelihood when this hearing is going to take place along with the assembly injury. But you typically don't see injury grievances against teams that often. Uh, certainly, you know, twice in three weeks is a little bit odd. Uh, in terms of the guys who are actually on the team, uh, Neville Hewitt still hasn't been cleared. Uh, he's a guy who's been out now for that for a while now for with that neck and that singer. Uh, we'll, we'll find out about Ryan Khalil. I don't think – even if he's healthy, to be honest with you, I don't think he's going to get that job back. I think Jonathan Harrison is going to be the center for the remainder of the season. And uh, and obviously, C.J. Mosley is way off in the distance. I would probably anticipate him going on IR after he exhausts uh, you know, his, his, uh, you know, his uh, pass here. I think he wants, to, he wants to see how things go over a four- to six-week period. But ultimately, if the Jets aren't in it, I don't see any reason to bring him back. So... So, you know, those are those are the major issues, uh, major injuries. One guy who did come back from injury, I thought it played pretty well, was Kelvin Beecham. He missed a few games with that ankle injury. I, I think when you rewatch that 
game uh, against the Giants, there's a lot of pressure from the right side, uh, not that much pressure from Darnold's left side. So uh, that's an encouraging sign. Uh, it certainly helps out the young quarterback. Obviously, Darnold's uh, escapability was uh, on, you know, on display the other day. I thought that he did a really good job, and, and Adam Gates mentioned this as well, uh, a really good job of kind of understanding uh, when things break down, when to just throw it away, and when to take those chances. He didn't take, uh, you know, poor chances. I thought he took he took some risks, but I thought they were calculated risks that paid off against the Giants. So that's what you want to see out of Darnold uh, moving forward. You want to actually see him play two, three, four games uh, in a row, uh, uh, you know, well, just like you saw in December. And I think there's an opportunity, to be honest, with you know this Redskins team, the Raiders and the Bengals coming up, followed by, I believe, Miami. I mean, there's a good stretch here for Darnold to kind of you know, get back in rhythm and for this offense to kind of show some signs of life. Play like a Jet. Play like a Jet. Do you think Darnold started to quiet some of the people that internally in the Jets organization might have been starting to wonder about him? Well, it's only one game, Scott. <laughs> you know, it was a good game. It wasn't a great game. It was a good game. I think... Uh, uh, at least from a personal standpoint, the way I'm looking at it is I want to see two, three, four games in a row. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he looked good against Dallas, and he you know, rightfully so uh, got that AFC Offensive Player of the Week, and he looked good uh, against uh, the Giants. I really want to see him play you know, three or four games in a row. Of really, uh, you know, so I want to see solid play here. I want to see consistency. I'm not the only one who wants to see that. People in the building want to see that. Uh, I think some of those questions internally – uh, we're probably warranted, uh, you know, when a young player is struggling, you know, you're seeing is believing. So, uh, you know, I, I, I'm not backing off of, uh, being in Sam Darnold's corner here. I've, I've been in this corner for a while. I see no reason to, to, uh, jump ship. Uh, that all being said, I want to see him string together a series of good games with Adam Gase. Uh, I want to see those two guys play, uh, you know, be in sync for uh, a good, good amount of time here. So, I know that uh, Darnold invoked playoffs, and I think, honestly, that, that was probably an unbridled enthusiasm by a 22-year-old coming off a win. So, uh, you know, I'll chalk that up to him being happy after the game. Uh, Jamal Adams said similar things. You know, young players who are happy after a victory, but uh, let's let's see two, three, four wins in a row here. Let, let's see them get on some kind of run, because I think the wins are available. We've talked about this. I think they're out there. I, I think six wins. Uh, when uh, all said and done uh, is, is realistic, uh, to be honest with you. Uh, maybe I'll be proven wrong. Uh, I've been proven wrong a lot <laughs> this year with my predictions, but I think there's some winnable games here, and uh, and I think there's some opportunities for the young quarterback to, to really feel good about himself and get his confidence rolling. Do you think that we're going to see more of that over the next couple of games? I know they've got a soft part of the schedule. It starts this Sunday against the Washington Redskins in D.C. Do you think we're going to start to see the beginnings of that this Sunday? What do you expect to see in that game? I, th- I think so, but I, I thought that before. I thought that a couple of weeks ago in Miami, and that didn't happen. But I, you know, I don't know how the Redskins are going to generate much offense. At least in Miami, you had a proven guy. And Ryan Fitzpatrick, you, you, you've seen evidence of him winning games. Uh, Dwayne Haskins is an unknown, you know, and, and from what we do know of him uh, thus far, it, you know, he hasn't been very good. I don't think he's even thrown a touchdown pass yet in his career. So I, uh, seeing the Redskins and envisioning the Redskins piling up points against the Jets uh, is, is hard to imagine. For, you know, for all the, 
the things we just discussed about the cornerback, I don't think that Dwayne Haskins is going to be able to beat them through the air. Uh, maybe I'll be proven wrong, but I, I haven't seen a quarterback who's ready to, to, to do that yet. And because of that and because of uh, the fact that I do think that this offense uh, should be able to do uh, you know some good things against Washington. They're not pushovers, but I do think that they'll be able to do enough to win uh, leads me to believe that, uh, yeah, I, you know, I do think that things – I don't want to say turn the corner per se, but I do think things that can improve – and I think, Scott, when we look back uh, after this you know, four- or five-game stretch, after the Miami game, and before they go and play you know, Pittsburgh, Washington, I'm sorry, Pittsburgh, Baltimore, and uh, Buffalo to close out the season, I think this pocket of time uh, you know, against the, you know, the Bengals and the Dolphins again and uh, the Raiders, who are you know, a solid team but not spectacular, and against the Redskins, I think this will show everyone that the Jets are not uh, the worst team in the NFL. They're probably not the uh, bottom three, bottom four. I think you're probably talking about a team that's in that 27, 28th best team in the league. <laughs> that's not going to make Jet fans particularly happy. And I think that's partly why Jet fans' feelings on Adam Gase aren't really going to change tangibly. Uh, but I think that's kind of what we're going to find out about this team. They're going to be a team that's bottom five, bottom six in the NFL. Not the worst, not the second worst or third worst, but uh, in that bottom handful of teams. So if you're a Jet fan, you know, where do you, you know, what, what does that mean for you moving forward? What does that mean for how you feel about the head coach and the direction of this team? Uh, I think that the quarterback can do good things, uh, you know, over the second half of the season, and the, the Jets can win some games against the worst team, the second worst team, the third worst team in the NFL. But what does that really mean for the state of affairs for the franchise? Where are they right now? They're still not a good team, in my estimation. I think they're better than some of the, the, the pure slop in the league, but I still don't think they're uh, anywhere close to being a contender, which pains me to say because before the season began, I thought they, they could, as Adam Gates even said himself, play meaningful games uh, in uh, December, and I thought that they could be in the playoff conversation. I didn't think they would make the playoffs, but I thought they could win nine games and be relevant, and they weren't relevant uh, for a number of reasons. Uh, I'm not using injuries as an excuse. Everybody there wants to use injuries as an excuse. But I look across the league. I even look at the opponent that they had this past weekend, which they didn't have their number one wide receiver, uh, probably uh, their, their second best pass-catching uh, pass option, uh, and their left tackle got hurt early in the game. So injuries happen across the league. So I'm sick and tired of Jet apologists, whether it's inside the building or outside the building, talking about injuries. Yeah, they had some key injuries, but there are teams all over the league every week that suffer injuries and overcome. The Jets have not been able to overcome by and large, and they've been non-competitive far too many times. So if you're a Jet fan and if you're honest with yourself as a Jet employee, you've got to assess what this team really is. And I think when it all shakes out, this, you're going to say this team is a, uh, a bottom five, bottom six team in the NFL, and that's probably why they're going to have a top five or top six pick in the draft. So if you were a betting man, though, having said all of that, you do think that they're going to beat the Redskins on Sunday and you think Darnold's going to continue to play well? I do. I do, and I think a big part of that is because I don't I have no belief in the quarterback uh, on the other side. I, I don't believe that Dwayne Haskins is going to win a football game. So if the Jets imploded uh, and Darnold uh, you know, had multiple turnovers and they got destroyed and had turnovers on special teams, I suppose anything is possible. But uh, I do not see Dwayne Haskins beating uh, – 
this team. I, I, don't, I don't see them beating him through the air. I don't think they'll be able to run the ball with uh, Darius Geis or Adrian Peterson. So that means that uh, Haskins is going to beat him, have to beat him with his arm. I just I can't see it. Uh, you know, Terry McLaurin has had a really good season. That their rookie, their other rookie from Ohio State, but uh, I don't think they have enough weaponry through the air. I don't think that quarterback is ready uh, to carry a team uh, you know, thrown at forty times a game to victory. So I do think that uh, not a blowout by any stretch, but uh, I do think that the Jets are going to come away with their second consecutive win. So there you have it. If you've got a couple of bucks to bet on this game, Manish thinks you could win some money by betting on the Jets against the Redskins this coming Sunday. He also thinks that you might want to place a prop bet on Sam Darnold, obviously, because he thinks he's going to play well against the Redskins, too. I'm curious to hear what my brother Craig has to say about this on the pregame show this weekend because he has been on an absolute roll. Seven winning weeks in a row. If you haven't been taking his gambling tips and trying to cash in on them, you are missing out. You could have been making a ton of money over at mybookie.ag. And here's the best part of betting over at mybookie.ag. If you sign up there and use the promo code OVERTIME, they will match your first deposit up to 50% with the max being $1,000. So the most you can do is $2,000. They'll match you $1,000. Anything below that, 50% of what you put down for your first deposit for your bet, they will match it if you use the promo code OVERTIME. You can bet on the Jets against the Redskins. You can do a bunch of prop bets. As we said, maybe Sam Darnold over under two touchdowns. You can bet on whether or not Le'Veon Bell's finally going to crack 100 yards rushing. Maybe you want to bet on whether or not the Jets are going to have an opening drive touchdown for the fourth straight week, or you may want to bet on the rest of the games around the league. Either way, go to mybookie.ag right now, take advantage of this great offer, use the promo code OVERTIME, and you'll get your first deposit matched up to 50%. The max is 1000 bucks. Mybookie.ag, you play, you win, and you get paid. And if you're going to be betting on this upcoming matchup between the Jets and the Redskins, you may want to be there because unlike Jacksonville and Miami, the Redskins are within driving distance. It's the D.C. area. Technically, it's Maryland. But you can drive out there and have yourself a really nice weekend built around the game if you want. As somebody that used to live in the D.C. area, I can tell you there are always plenty of things to do in D.C. And you have a really fun weekend, not only at the Jets and Redskins game, but going to concerts, going to theaters, going to a comedy show. And if you're going to buy tickets to any of those things, you should do it over at Vivid Seats because when you download the Vivid Seats mobile app and enter the promo code overtime, you get up to 100 bucks off on your very first purchase. That purchase could be Jets Redskins tickets or it could be anything else. We're getting into Thanksgiving and Christmas season, so there are all kinds of great shows going on. The Radio City Christmas Spectacular is coming to town here in New York, so that might be something that you want tickets to. Anything you want, you can use that discount when you download the Vivid Seats mobile app and use the promo code OVERTIME. You'll get up to 100 bucks off on your very first purchase. Manish Mehta of the New York Daily News, thanks so much for hopping on. As always, really appreciate it. What do you got cooking right now over at the Daily News? Well, I just alluded to that run defense. Uh, it's a pretty stout group, uh, pretty impressive, given that they lost one of the best run defenders by trading away Leonard Williams. But the Foley Fadakasis of the world, uh, Nathan Shepherds of the world, uh, you know, we mentioned the rookie Phillips, uh, the old man Steve McClendon, those guys have really done a good job. Uh, you know, for, for all of the criticism that this team has gotten this season, the fact that the, you know, nine games into the season, they're one of the, the best run-stopping units uh, in the NFL, uh, you know, deserves some praise and uh, deserves the, our attention. Sure seems like Foley Fadakasi is turning into Snacks 2.0 right before our eyes, doesn't it? 
Yeah, he's playing really well. Uh, you know, you got to give him credit. You know, developmental year last year. And uh, who knows? You know, maybe Michael Cagney got this one right. He did draft Sadkowski, and it's way too early on Shepard, of course, that he just got back. But he had three tackles for loss the other day. Uh, you know, these are some young pieces that you got to give Greg Williams credit. He's, he's using these young pieces in the right way. And, and again, not much has gone right for this team. But, uh, you know, the, the fact that they're a, a top two run defense, <laughs> you know, nine games into the season is, is quite impressive. No question about it. This may be the one area where Mike McCagnin was undoubtedly successful, producing a whole bunch of quality players on the defensive line. Manish, thanks again for coming on. Really appreciate it. Go ahead and follow Manish on Twitter. Read his work in the Daily News. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts, you know where to go. That's Turn on the Jets Digital and turnonthejets.com.